Hey there, Ebenezer Youth. My name is William Demetro, and I'm the youth pastor here at Ebenezer Youth. And I'm so excited to embark into our third part of our series on the letter to Philippians. If you don't know, at Junior Youth this last month, we have been exploring the letter of Philippians. And it has been an amazing time, and we get to end it off today. I kicked off the series by hitting some major themes of this letter, some historical backgrounds, the way this letter worked, context, as well as to set it up for today. If you remember, um, I showed us a diagram on how Philippians works. For example, we introduced the letter, we laid some things down, and the major themes that we covered were some of the thoughts of how does this introduce, how does this end, and how does this all tie together. And then we had our friend Reuben come in and he shared with us on the Messiah poem, Philippians 2, 5 to 11. And what Reuben did is he came in and he shared the centerpiece of this letter, this beautiful poem that really revealed who Jesus is. But today we're going to be primarily looking at what it means to be a citizen of Christ in the way it is described in Philippians. We introduce this letter on this idea of being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus. But in this letter, as things move on in Philippians, things, the tables are turned to the church back to us and we're dealing with this idea of what, what would it mean for us to do what Jesus would do? These three things I would call being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus would do would be the process of discipleship. And what I want us to discover today is what it means to do what Jesus would do, to follow the example of Jesus. And if you were asked in this letter, how are you going to follow the example of Jesus? Today, we are going to be seeking what it means to follow the example of Jesus and becoming a citizen of heaven. Paul describes it this way. It is called to the Philippians about being and following the example of Jesus. He says this in Philippians 1.27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of good news about Christ. Then whenever I come and see you again or hear about you, I will know, Paul says, that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Philippians 1.27 And this verse right here that I just read holds something very key to the message of Philippians. What we learn from Paul is he's introducing everything and is calling them to follow Jesus. In the church of Philippi, we learn that this is a military city who is proud to be Roman citizens. But Paul confronts the church of Philippi and says, no, you are a citizen of Christ. Imagine if you had someone coming up to you to say, live your life worthy of the good news of Jesus. One illustration I've heard used comes from the movie Saving Private Ryan. In this movie, an elderly man stands at a grave side of a soldier who saved this man's life during World War II. And what we learn is this dead soldier actually died to save the man who was visiting him years later. With tears in his eyes, this elderly man stands at the graveside and recalls the last thing the dying soldier whispered to him 60 years ago. Just two simple words. Earn this. Can you imagine? If someone saved your life and the last words to you were, earn your life. And this is what Paul is saying here. To make your life worth it. To be a follower of Jesus. To become a citizen of heaven. And where we see Paul really talk about what citizenship looks like in Philippians is found in Philippians 4 verse 4 to 9 on what an earned life looks like. So that's where we're going to be focusing our time on what it looks like to become citizens of Christ today. 
to really bring this book together to this call that Paul calls us to, which is to become citizens of Jesus. So Paul says this in Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9. He says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about the God of peace will be with you. These are Paul's words, his final words, his final teaching, his final discourse to Philippians before he closes off his letter in a final greeting. And this is what a citizen of Christ looks like. The big idea of this passage is that the Lord is near. In other words, that God is close to us and God can actually be close to you. It appears that Paul is writing to this church who is living distracted lives. And perhaps God isn't as near to them as they might think. But we today are just as distracted, if not more. In society today, we understand and we know that we see over 5,000 ads a day. My generation, Generation Z, spends on average 7 hours and 22 minutes on their phone compared to what Generation Alpha spends, which is even more than that. To put that into perspective, though, for a Gen Zer, that is 52.5 hours a week and 2,737 hours a year. Or, for instance, the average household in North America has 300,000 items, and 3.1% of the world's children live in the USA, but they own 40% of toys consumed globally. We live today in such a distracted world filled with devices, items, ads, everything, always trying to grab our attention. In the same way, 2,000 years ago, in this letter, Paul was writing to people who had divided motives and distracted lives. But funny enough, in society today, we're actually at a very similar place in what I would potentially call the most distracted generation of all time. And I wonder, what is distraction doing to us? Is it killing us? And when we become distracted, we forget about God. Our hearts become numb and we become so dissatisfied. Imagine if we were able to eliminate distraction from our life so we could freely follow what is most important. And my friends, this is what this passage is calling to us in the Church of Philippi 2,000 years ago and to today for us at Ebenezer Youth. I want to remind you that this comes in view of seeing us as citizens of Christ. Imagine, if you were going to the Olympics to represent your country in any given sport, you would want to represent your country well, right? You would want to do anything in your absolute best effort to ensure that you would do the absolute best for you to represent your country in your given sport. And you see, what Paul is trying to do here is he says, live your life as if you represented Christ, as if you represented Jesus and all you did. And there are three things that Paul calls us to when it makes, when it comes to making our life worth it, to when it comes to making our lives representing Jesus, when it comes to making our lives to be citizens of Christ. 
And here are those three things. The first is this, to be practicing joy in all that you do. In verse four of this passage we just read, we are told to become full of joy. And joy is a key mark of a follower of Jesus. Joy isn't just something that comes and goes based on how your day is going or based on how you feel of a certain day. But joy is a characteristic of who you are. It is who you choose to be when you handle the best and the worst of situations. Joy is a practice that we are all called to live out, and the distracted world we live in wants you to be so busy and bombarded with distraction that actually joy is impossible. Mother Teresa, famous for spending her life in the slums caring for the poor, puts it so simply but so profoundly this way. Joy is strength. The idea that joy is strength is powerful because happiness might be a fleeting emotion that comes and goes. One minute you're happy and one minute you're not. But joy is something you need to actively choose every single day. The theologian Henry Nouwen puts it this way, Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. Where John 15, 11 says this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Joy is an act of choice that you need to practice. And this is the first way that you today are called to be a citizen of Jesus, to choose joy. But the second thing is this, to pray about everything. Imagine if you lived a life where you prayed about everything. In verse 6 in this passage gets to this idea to not worry about anything, but to pray about everything. Now, the reality is, is we will worry. Anxiety will happen. And in this next month at Ebenezer Years, if you join us in person, we're actually going to be taking time to talk about this more and flesh out this idea of mental health, anxiety, and how we work with it within the framework of the way of Jesus. Regardless of that, when we pray about everything and we push aside the distractions of our world, God will show us his peace and we will be able to live the life that we've always wanted. Peace is described in the Greek as a word named Irene. And Irene means to feel complete, harmony, to feel as if you have it together. If you want to feel that way, we are called to pray and draw close to God. And my assumption about you is you want to feel Irene completeness. And God will show you peace, and he will show you harmony even when life is not good. Jarrell Johnson, the scholar, puts it this way. The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. One way I do like to think about this very tangibly is to talk about God about every detail of my life so that I might know that God is near to me right here. And worry and pain does come, and I'm not neglecting that at all, but it's put into perspective. It's not taken away because we know that God is still there, but he's with us. He's here to allow us to see him in every detail, the anxiety, the pain. And anxiety, by definition, is actually the state of uneasiness, the idea that we don't know what's going to happen. But that can be put into perspective if we keep ourselves close to God. And if we keep ourselves close to God here, not out here, we can put that into perspective. So the, first, the second thing is we're called to pray about everything. The third thing, though, is this, to fix our thoughts on the most important things. Call, Paul calls the Philippians to fix our thoughts on the most important things. Scholars note that in a society where everything outside of the church seemed like evil, Paul gave the Philippians, the church, 
the Philippian church to find virtues of good in, things that were honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. And these are things that are so applicable for us today. In a world that is corrupt, evil, and sometimes hard to see the good in, there is still good. And there are universal virtues that we can pursue and put into practice. There are future virtues that everyone can have and no one would disagree on. So to this end, today of us at Ebenezer Youth, our call is to become citizens of Jesus, to fix our eyes on the most important things. But if you're at a place today where you are not a citizen of Jesus, where you have not put your trust in God, your first step is to accept him as your Lord, to be one who begins to put their life filled with joy, to pray about everything and to fix their eyes on the most important things. And if you're here and what I'm saying makes sense to you and you have not accepted Jesus into your life, that is the first step. If you have questions about how do I do that, I want us, you just to personally message us here on YouTube or wherever you're watching this, and we would love to chat with you. But Paul's last words to the Philippians are this. He says this in verse 21 of Philippians 4. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me who send your greetings, and all the rest of God's people send greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. You see, this goodbye, these last words, are not anything special compared to the other letters. It's a greeting to God's church and how they belong to you, to Jesus. And for you today, I want you to know you belong to Jesus too. This letter reveals to us that in Christ, we are citizens of heaven who are called to live a transformed life that is different than the world. Are you living a life worth it? Do you see yourself a citizen of heaven? And the letter to the Philippian church is deep, transforming, and incredible, but only if you let it transform your life. Let me end on this note. I really want you to see that giving your citizenship, allegiance, love, and belonging belongs to God. So what's getting in the way for that for you today? God loves you deeply, and he wants your citizenship alone. Let me pray to end. God, I pray for whoever's watching here that you would be with them, find them where you're at, show them your love, your mercy, and your kindness, and allow them to be called to where you want them to be, Jesus. So we pray this in your name. Amen. It was so great talking with you today, Ebenezer Youth. I hope to see you soon. Peace out.